0: Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Bill Barnwell Show. That's me. I'm Bill Barnwell. Today, we're going to be talking with ESPN Seth Walder about the future power rankings he helped contribute to for ESPN. This is ranking the NFL teams 1 through 32 based on how they're going to look like or what they're going to look like, I should say, over the next Three years. We're going to talk about the top and the bottom of those rankings, everything else in the middle available on ESPN. But before we do that, I want to tell you about a brand new ESPN podcast. It's DC and RC. New episodes every Wednesday and Thursday featuring UFC legend Daniel Cormier and Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark. They're both Louisiana natives. One of them is a former MMA fighter, one of them a former NFL safety. They hang around and kick out the hottest topics from around the world of MMA and preview and review the most important fight cards and storylines. Find DC and RC wherever you get your podcasts. Also, 30 for 30 is back with Breakaway, a film about WNBA superstar and activist Maya Moore. This film explores the story of Moore, one of the best basketball players on the planet, stepping away from the sport she loves for a remarkable reason to fight for a man she believed was wrongly imprisoned stream breakaway now only on ESPN plus. And now here's Seth Walder talking about the best and worst teams in the NFL over the next three seasons. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight S ave Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, joining me now here on The Bill Barnwell Show, as promised, someone who I have a ton of respect for and someone who, uh, has done great work in the past on the beat for the New York Jets, but also uh, for several years now has been at ESPN in our stats and info department, um, taking and helping to develop a lot of the great metrics we have, but then also um, writing about them, having them make sense to dum-dums like me. Uh, a, a super smart person and a super insightful person when it comes to the NFL, it is ESPN's sports analytics writer, Seth Walder. Seth, how are you? I am great Bill but that was a really overly
1: nice intro. I appreciate it but I'm just honored to be here. Long time
0: listener of the pod. So um I I'm I really appreciate you having me. Long overdue. I feel like to be on the pod if I'm being honest with you. I think that's on me for not having you on earlier.
1: No, no, no not at all. Um I always enjoy listening and and you have you have great guests and uh and just getting your takes. Always always someone I look to when uh Especially your grades, like in free agency with like Bill. When I went, when I'm like, I'm like, why did a team do that? And I got, I got, I was check myself for a, for a hot minute. Wait till Bill's grades come out. Make sure I'm I'm not crazy. And uh, you know, that's how I know. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, I wish I I wish I had the same confidence in my grades that uh, that you have, but unfortunately. I remember all the bad ones. I remember giving like Robert Woods going to the Rams at D plus where I was like, yeah, this guy's not that good. All he does is a good blocker, but doesn't, you know, doesn't put up numbers. And then oops, uh, as it turns out, moving from uh, a Greg Roman offense to a Sean McVay offense changes your production.
1: Well, if it makes you feel better. The one I remember is when the Jets signed George Fant. And I thought, what is going on there? Like, what am I missing? I was like, I'll wait for Barnwell's grade. I believe it was a D and a year later, I think the D was spot on.
0: Wow. I, I, that's tough. I think it's one of the things we're going to talk about today in sort of like how you build a roster, how you construct things. Like that was sort of a damned if you do damned, if you don't situation, because the jets needed to do more to protect Sam Darnold, who I mean, was really struggling with pressure. George Fant is someone who does not have a ton of experience at the NFL at tackle. He had um, a brief spell as the Seahawks left tackle, I think. And then, has had some injuries, was a swing tackle for a while. So, I mean, you want to do something if you're the GM for Joe Douglas, but I don't know if that's the right move, even if you need to do something.
1: I think, yeah, I agree. I mean, it was like you they paid non trivial money for someone who was not proven in any way. And I think, you know, they just basically swapped Brandon Shell with Fant. Mm -hmm. and shell i believe had performed better in pass block win rate prior to that trade than fant and -hmm. and continued to after if i recall correctly so i mean i'm with you it's like don't get me wrong my criticisms of the jets offensive line is always like they should do more about it uh (laughs) but i don't think that i didn't think that was the right move and you know they signed morgan moses now so um presumably that helps them in that area
0: yeah, I mean George Fant uh, eight and a half million dollar base salary for 2021. I think four and a half of that is guaranteed already. So we will see. He might not even make the roster. Um, but that would be a tough, that'd be a tough dead money there for George Fant. I, I did not have talking about jet swing tackle as the first topic on the podcast, but uh we hit that. We hit jet swing tackle early on in this show, which I'm excited about. Um, we are today going to talk about the ESPN future power rankings, um, which is a project that you did with several of our colleagues, Lewis Riddick, of course, who uh, formerly an NFL um, personnel man, of course, but on television with us for a long time now, one of the hosts of Monday Night Football, uh, Jeremy Fowler, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, excellent reporter for us at ESPN, and then Field Yates, who in addition to being just a great head of hair um, and a wonderful human being. Everyone loves Field Yates here at ESPN. Um, A former player, a former scout with the Patriots, and of course, someone who you can hear each and every week on Fantasy Focus. So a variety of perspectives here. And Seth, you're coming from, um, I think it's fair to say, a more analytically inclined perspective. Um, So we're going to get into what you guys thought. Um, And then before we do that, Before we do that, I want to talk about just the general idea of what this project is like. So Seth, can you please set the scene for what the future power rankings are and what you were asked to do? Yeah, sure.
1: So the idea is to power rank these teams, not for like literally the present, but to think about it from a three-year perspective. So Mm -hmm. 21, 21, 22, and 23. And so the way that our editors lay this out for us is we rank every team in five different areas. So we rank the quarterback, the entire roster except for the quarterback, the coaching, the draft, their their draft, and the the front office. And the they provide some the editors provide some weighting to those five areas, but the idea is to basically try and get this image of the team but thinking about all those things through a sort of three-year window. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, that age can be a factor for, for, for players, for coaches. Uh, And so we put that all together and then get a, get a full power ranking one to one to 32. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know that when I've talked in the past with NFL cap people, for example, when they're evaluating a contract, a veteran contract that a guy has just signed, they typically take the value of the first three years of that deal as the value of the contract. Because um, once you get into four or five years in the future, it's just too hard to project too hard to predict what's going to happen. Um, the chances are that the veterans on that roster are going to be either somewhere else or retired or negotiating a new contract. Um, and for the rookies, of course, you know, you're going to get to evaluate those guys over the course of the next three years. So you either don't know what they are yet or, they're going to be in a totally different situation, possibly on a different team. So I think three years is the perfect window there. Um, in, in terms of the teams themselves, I mean, you obviously you're asked to talk about several different topics and then put together these ratings uh, on a scale between 50 and I guess 50 and below to a hundred. Um, To me, it sort of seems like there's an obvious first team. I I don't want to spoil too much about it, um, but we'll get into a few of the teams here. The Kansas City Chiefs finished number one. Um, Was there any doubt for you that the Chiefs would be number one? No. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I don't, it's sort of
1: hard to imagine a world where a team has not just. Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, but like a 25 year old Patrick Mahomes <laughs> as their quarterback, and thinking that that team is in any position but the best, and it's like, I guess, I guess it's fo- it's possible if everything else around him were really we're really poor, then then I get Then it it is possible, but like Andy Reid's his head coach, mm-hmm. he's throwing a Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They rebuilt the offensive line. I mean. I'm not saying that like the entire team is perfect by any means, but like, it has to be pretty bad
0: to to get Kansas city down below that one spot. I think, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Like I, I'd be intrigued. I mean, maybe I'll ask you if you were going to play devil's advocate, could you make a case not really for another team, but just that there are flaws with the chiefs that would lead you to believe that they should not be um, maybe the top team over the next three years.
1: I think defensively, there are flaws that you could, I mean, this is, this is a team that was a below average defense last Mm -hmm. year. And I think they have a lot of money tied up in Frank Clark that, you know, Frank Clark is a player that we, you know, our numbers have not liked for a long time Mm -hmm. dating back to Seattle, like relative to his reputation. I mean, um, and, and like, actually, I think that move is maybe indicative of, of a kind of move that I, I wouldn't like, like, so for judging the front office, like the idea of trading, a, sort of making this like D d4 for Frank Clark's swap and giving up draft capital to do it, uh, and then paying Frank Clark, that's, that was a, a really tough move. Now, it's okay, you can make up for Pat, you know, a lot with Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but, this, but like, I also don't want to criticize the front office too hard because I think they, they did a, they'd like really committed to uh, an offensive line mm-hmm. this off season. And like, you know, something I did recently was like a was predicted pass blocking and I've got the chiefs at I think it's six, wow. you know, and that's, that's pretty darn good. Like if you're going to, if you're going to have Patrick Mahomes and you want to protect him and you're going to, we think that you're going to have like the sixth best pass protecting line, you've done your job there.
0: So I don't know.
1: I, I know it's supposed to be devil's advocate. I'm not sure I can see
0: it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would think about that defense, like you said, and like the offense at the end of the day, they're going to be great. Like e- even if they were, I don't know, maybe, like maybe you could say, okay, if they lose Tyree Kale, if, if Travis Kelsey ages over the next couple of years, which he mm-hmm. will, um, there's not much in the cupboard. But then again, you got to figure Patrick Mahomes is going to make whoever is in that offense look good. Like, you know, McCall Harden maybe hasn't been all that great, but if they draft a wide receiver in the next couple of years, he's probably going to be pretty good with Patrick Mahomes throwing passes to him. Um, I think you can make a case that the defense is trending to be a problem. I mean, their draft picks have not been great on that side of the ball with maybe one Thornhill um, as a recent one, as an aside and Chris Jones, but Chris Jones was drafted a little further in the past. Um, But this is a team that's really top heavy on defense. And they're really the the three core players there are Frank Clark, uh, Chris Jones, and Tyron Matthew, and there's a decent chance, maybe even a good chance that this time next year, two of those three guys are gone. Um, Frank Clark, of course, facing uh, felony possession of a weapon charges, and Tyron Matthew is going to be a free agent, and there has not been, to my knowledge, uh, great progress made on a new deal there. So. Um, you know, wouldn't be shocking if they were rebuilding on defense over the next couple of years. And I think the offense is going to be great, but you know, that, that offense with a, a defense that is middle of the pack in FPI or DVOA is really good that team with the defense. That's like bottom four in DVOA. That's a different
1: question. So maybe the case against them is like, they're fragile. Like, I mean, if, yes. if you have a Matthew injury and a Tyree kill injury, that, all of a sudden it does change quite a bit about what you think about that team. I do think that Mahomes with a good offensive line is like you're gonna have a great offense, terrifying even even if you sustained a playmaker injury. Terrifying. But yeah, I mean, if you had a Matthew and a Chris Jones injury, then yeah, then maybe what maybe you're talking about a really poor defense and now, now now you are in trouble.
0: Yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, I think Chiefs are number one just because of Mahomes. I think it just it's so far in the right direction. Uh number two the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this was surprising to me. Um, Was it as surprising to you to see Tampa Bay, even though they just won the Super Bowl, finish in the second spot?
1: Yeah, a little bit um, because... So like the first question is uh, when's when's Tom Brady going to stop playing? And yes. I think, <laughs> I think it's the same question that, you know, people have been asking for a long time, especially in the AFC East, but mm-hmm. um I was a little surprised because of that, like I didn't have time to- I didn't have them in the quarterback zone at as like a top 5 mm-hmm. team be- because of that. And and draft-wise, like it's not necessarily a fault of their own, or it's not, you know, it's to their credit that they drafted 32nd, but like, it's reasonable to expect that their draft output this season is going to be worse than a team drafting in the, you know, in the, in the top half. So, of course, so that goes against them. Uh, I think though, the reason why they're there is the rest of this roster, which is really strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we saw it all through their Super Bowl run, but they've got players, you know, everywhere. I mean, it's like offensive line. Good. The receivers are good. They've got, uh, you know, you got players at every level of the defense that scare you, you know, mm-hmm. Shaq Barrett, the two, the two linebackers and Levante David and Devin white You got Carlton Davis at corner. I mean, Antoine Winfield. So there's a lot of good players there. And I think that carried over too to the credit I give, Jason Light, which is amazing for me to say, like, I think there was a, I would be, have been shocked a few years ago if I heard myself crediting Jason Light, because I just had a hard time imagining someone who traded up to draft a kicker in the second round Mm -hmm. that I would be praising them. But, you know, everyone makes a a poor move here or there. and, And by and large, he's built a really good team. So when we factor in front office there, I think, I think they deserve some credit for that. And so I think it really comes down to that roster and the fact that, like, ultimately, right now they are a, you know, a Super Bowl contender a top Super Bowl contender, and that has to that has to count for something. Like, we know they are a Super Bowl contender this year, as opposed to other teams where um, you are thinking they might be a strong Super Bowl contender in
0: twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, I mean, Jason Light, you know, if you leave the kicking game aside, has done a pretty good job even before Brady. Uh, unfortunately. Um, the kicking game has been a problem, but Hey, they figured it out last year. They finally got it to work. I think they didn't attempt a field goal until the super bowl. So I think that was a solution is just get Tom Brady and he won't have to kick field goals in key situations. Um, so maybe that is how you fix a kicking problem. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess having that sort of like bird in the hand of your favorites to go back to the super bowl this year um, might mean more than having a roster that seems like it could go to the Super Bowl in three years. I, I think there's some truth and validity to that. I I just, I look at the rest of the teams in this top five and you know, it, it's tough for me to imagine any of them being six and ten or six and eleven, I should say, geez 17 game schedule. sorry, six and eleven, three years from now, Still Tampa, gets me. yeah, Tampa is the one team that I feel like could do that and, I mean, the roster looks awesome right now, but uh, not only would you talk about maybe the uh, the players on this roster getting older and having guys like Gronk or Brady or Brian Jensen or Ndamukong Suh or JPP, um, you know, a lot of those guys not being here in two to three years, but also the coaching staff. I mean, Bruce Arians is by all accounts a very good head coach, a guy who was retired before the Bucks um, hired him and could be retired again in a couple of years. And Todd Bowles, the guy who did an excellent job coaching up this defense over the past two years, he'd figure is going to be a hothead coaching candidate over the next couple of seasons. So, um, I wonder if there might be sort of a brain drain here as well.
1: That, yeah, no, that, I think that makes sense for me. It always, it's sort of, I, when I was thinking about it, a lot of this came down to what you, what you called the, you know, the bird in the hand thing. And it does, it does ring true, but I agree that, this is a team that is they're they're at their peak. They may sustain this peak for a little bit, but they will they will have, you know they will go down at some point, right? Because of not just not just Brady, but the other folks you mentioned. And so there is there is room for decline here over the next three years for sure.
0: Okay. Put a number on it. Seth Walder. This is okay. gonna be this is gonna be recorded. It's gonna be brought up in the future. When is the last season? where Tom Brady will post an above-average uh, QBR or adjusted net yards over attempt or whatever whatever quarterback stat you want to use. When, it, when is the last season Tom Brady will post an above-average quarterback performance in a meaningful number of pass attempts? Wow,
1: that's a good question. I will say... 2022
0: 2022 i was hoping you were going to say 2020 that would have been the juicy answer um, that would have that would
1: have been juicy I'm like, hey let's let's be clear in 2019 tom brady finished 17th in mm-hmm. qbr it's true so it's it's not unprecedented
0: that's true but he came back and with but
1: he came back one of the best he, weapons
0: groups in football
1: he, yes he did have he did have exceptional help but i don't In 2021, he's going to have that same exceptional Mm help, at least for 2021.
0: I don't think like, I don't know about you. I feel like the NFL is not emotionally prepared to see like the fall of Tom Brady. Like I think when Brady does have that, either Brady retires or he does have that season where he does have like the, you know, the Peyton Manning final season or the Brett Favre final season where he's like you know, two times as many interceptions as touchdowns. He's getting benched. Mm. Like, I feel like there's going to be so many articles about, oh, this is the end of the NFL because Tom Brady is fading and there's no guy to replace Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> Firstly, there's a lot. The guy, the guy who played in the Super Bowl is the guy to replace Tom Brady. Of course, so we, got, we got we got that. But yes, I I I do I agree with you that like it's like yeah we're not a we're not emotionally ready for that the 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 NFL as a whole and. I mean, it could happen. It's like we, I do feel like we've like reached this whole point where we feel like it's like, it seems like he's immortal, but, but we know he's not. But um, I will say this, you know, Tom Brady has done his part to affect our metrics and that he basically like broke our entire quarter predictive quarterback rating system (laughs) because every year we've, we've redone it now for 2021, but like every year like we went, it, the model went into the season assuming, well, Tom Brady must be bad because look how old he is. Uh, <laughs> and then every year it was pro- it was proven wrong. So um, he has at least recalibrated age curves that that he has that he has definitely done and will continue to do even be after he's retired.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, in terms of the teams in three and five, so two teams in the top five here that I think are similar, not in every way, but in some ways, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns, the Browns to me, and you're someone who follows the, the developments of analytics and the, uh, growth of analytics in the NFL closer than anybody. Um, the Browns to me, the most analytically inclined team in the NFL, um, the Ravens probably pretty, pretty close. Um, you know, maybe not as directly of an impact, but certainly I think the Ravens have a big impact with analytics, uh, the Browns even more so. These are also two teams whose offenses for most uh, most of the year were run-heavy teams. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson a run-heavy team in the past few years. The Browns with Baker Mayfield, more run-heavy in the first half than the second half, actually became more of a passing team over the second half of the season, but still a team that I think, if you ask Kevin Stefanski what they do well, he would say, we run the ball well um we know quantitatively that it's more efficient and typically smarter to throw the ball than it is to run the ball you want to have a balance no one's saying throw the ball every single time but if you had a choice you'd rather throw the ball 60% of the time and run the ball 40% of the time in neutral situations than a 50-50 split can a successful smart analytically inclined team be sustainably good doing something that we know is not particularly efficient in terms of your selections when it comes to your offense? I think they can, but it, you kind of need to, a lot
1: needs to go right. Mm-hmm. And I think that looks like the 2019 Ravens. And you have an excellent running quarterback. And then I think they had. Phenomenal blocking, Mm -hmm. and they ranked second in run block win rate that year. They also ranked second in pass block win rate that year, um, I think top three. Um, And I think that when you do that, like it made I I don't have didn't have a problem with the Ravens' offense and the way that they ran the ball in twenty nineteen. Like they were they were an efficient offense. You cannot uh, I think it's hard to criticize that. I think I would not be surprised if we see a decent, this is just a guess really, but like a decent jump in passing for the Browns though. Mm-hmm. In, in 2021, I mean, like you said, they did, they did pass the ball more as the season went on. They also had a couple of, I think, weather games. Yes, um, they did for sure. That like really like re- reduced their, their pass rates. Um, And like they were, if you look at their EPA per play, they were much, much more efficient passing the ball. They also lost Odell Beckham for a good Mm -hmm. chunk. Uh, So I would expect Cleveland to pass more just because it is naturally more efficient. That's my guess going into, into 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think they are, you know, it's interesting last year when I surveyed staffers, they, the Ravens were, voted the most analytically inclined team, but I guess I'm going to do that again this year and I'm going to guess it flips to the, to the Browns this season. They do have the largest staff the Browns.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, for sure. I think the largest staff and also um, no disrespect to John Harbaugh or uh, Eric Costa, who I think are super smart and super open-minded, but like, I mean, Andrew Barry is just, I think, you know, he was born into the analytics and mm-hmm. and like you know it, it's something that he's had every step of the way as opposed to maybe a more traditional background
1: i think that's right i think that, i think that's right and so yeah like that is a, a partial basis for me in thinking that the browns are going to pass more so i feel like sort of bullish on on maybe like bakers passing numbers or something like that going going into the year
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i mean we've talked about and this is so anecdotal, like we went from like, you know, a, a quantitative analysis to the most anecdotal of anecdotal arguments. But that second year Shanahan offense boost, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, it works for some people, it works for Aaron Rodgers, works for Matt Ryan. Um, so who knows? I mean, but, but I think that's really interesting thing there because, you know, um, in the NBA, for example, you know, I, I, certainly to some extent we've seen teams like the Spurs, for example, who were, you know, great in the mid range uh, for a time when analytics were coming more popular in the NBA and teams were being told, take more threes, you know, uh, avoid the mid-range altogether. You know, I think it's, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. And I I do agree with you that I think the Browns will throw the ball more frequently in 2021, but if they struggle, if they have issues that there aren't as good as they were a year ago, I wonder what their solution will be. I wonder what they will go back to.
1: If they do struggle, that's, that's quite an indictment on on Mayfield. That would be quite an indictment on Mayfield because I think he set it up about as well as you possibly can be to have a successful passing game. Like I mentioned predictive pass blocking. Like they're number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are your receivers. That's not like the best receiving core in the league anymore, but uh, it's, still, it's still good. And then you have this threat of an efficient running game as yeah. well. So... I Mayfield has to produce here, I expect he will, but you can't he's really in a great place
0: yeah, absolutely um on the bottom side, on the flip side of things, sorry, to trying to talk about them, but uh was it were you more surprised or no, more surprised were you less surprised that the Kansas City Chiefs were number one in these rankings or that the Houston Texans were number thirty two in these rankings? Oh wow,
1: ah uh, gosh i I mean. I I would have said, you know, 99% plus on both, but wow, that's close. Yeah. Maybe the Texans are more of a lock to be at, to be at. That's so sad. They they
0: have the reverse Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) They do.
1: Wow. Yeah. I, I would have been just blown away by either to be, to be fair. But yeah, I didn't think there's any question that Houston was going to be at the bottom of this list.
0: I mean, is there any hope? Is there anything you can point to and say like, okay, at least they have X or Y to look forward to over the next couple of years? Their offensive line's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, they traded, you uh, know, like, you know, one of the biggest halls in recent memory for yeah, for yeah, I guess it's like, left tackle, you, so I hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's right. I,
1: I want to see Tyrod Taylor get his his shot. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like such an unfortunate situation for him last year. Yeah, and so, but, and I've I've been a, a Tyrod Taylor defender over the years, but mm. I, I wouldn't feel that optimistic. I mean, I think I think the best thing they have going for them is bottoming out.
0: So <laughs> and, I mean, like, you're right. They didn't have
1: a lot of room to move. I think there's like it's. So I, I'm not sure I can even credit them with this. It's like, it's better to be bad and know you're bad than to mm-hmm. be bad and not know you're bad. Um, but I, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. What's what's
0: your optimistic take for Houston? Oh, boy. I was hoping <laughs> you were going to have one. <laughs> um, they have all their draft picks, right, from this point forward? Right. They don't, they're they not. The, the haul from the Tunsil trade is done. They have their picks. They... Hmm. I mean, I think in the long run, they will end up getting some sort of trade package for Deshaun Watson. They right. can trade him now, obviously. Um, they're at least saying publicly they don't want to. Of course, Deshaun Watson has pending uh litigation for his sexual assault cases. Um, you know, I do think in the long run they will end up trading Deshaun Watson and get something in return for him. So they'll at least have that draft capital. They're not like, Compromise there the way they were a couple of years ago. Um, they do have Laramie Tunsil. that is a start. Um, but this is a team that is really lacking in young talent. Even the moves they made this offseason, like I appreciate that um, Nick Casario had a plan, but like it was just they were playing Madden and they went to the free agent pool and they signed like the 30 guys who were going to be available for the minimum. Um, to fill out the back end of their roster because they just did not have anything on the back end of their roster. Even if that works for 2020, even if they do end up being more competitive than people give them credit for, like there's all those guys are leaving, you know, like, like, like there's right. just, there's no so little of this team is going to be here in three years and there's just not going to be a lot to replace those guys. So maybe, Four or five years, I'll feel, I feel better, but like it would take something really remarkable to me for them to get out of the bottom spot over the next year or two. That
1: defense is going to be so bad in 2021. I mean, they were bad last year and their best player on that defense is gone.
0: So it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah, but at least, at least they know they're going to be bad. Yeah. At least they have that. Um, 31, the Detroit Lions. I mean, it just feels like night and day compared to the Texans, where at least the Lions already have that draft capital. I'm not sure about Dan Campbell. I'm not sure about their roster, but at least they have a plan, and at least they have sort of the extra picks to start executing that plan.
1: So here's one where I was a little surprised. I don't know if our method perfectly captures like trajectory Mm -hmm. the reliance trajectory like like you said is like they have a you can imagine how this goes well right like they have they have the they have the capital so like um in the draft capital going forward in future seasons Mm -hmm. they kind of behaved in a way like i liked the way they ran their offseason in the sense of like yeah, they knew they're bad. They took some shots on some guys like Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. And hopefully, you know, if one of those guys happens to hit, then cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Romeo Quara is like a a young player. So I think it's fine to um, have kept him around. I think it sort of made sense to let Galladay walk because your timeline is not in the, in the short term, right? But because they have that draft capital, like they're going to be in a good place next year to potentially like take a quarterback or just improve that team substantially. I think there's something to be said for, for being that then as opposed to a team that is like about to invest another season in a quarterback that we don't think is, is good and is like still currently trying to win is going to have to be the lions maybe next year. Mm -hmm. And, and so at least, at least you're here. Um, I think there is, there is something to be said for that.
0: Yes, I mean, I, I maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd look worse if it weren't for the Texans, but they do look a lot better than the Texans. They do.
1: I remember going into. I remember like I tweeted in so twenty, 20 I guess twenty before the twenty twenty season. Like, who is the most like hopeless? If, like. Team, Like if you're a fan and I remember you said the Broncos, this is pre 2020 and I was debating between the Jags and the jets. And like in all three of those cases, it was like they were about to invest in a season in a quarterback that none of us thought was going to be very good. Mm-hmm. And like now all those teams have done that. And well, I guess like two of those teams ended up getting a quarterback and they're like now have a path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's better i guess it's just like it's just hard i think if you're a fan watching your team like go put another year into into a into a qb and not feeling like you've got a great shot
0: yeah that's fair in terms of things that happen quickly um the team at 30 really interested me philadelphia eagles and i mean would three years ago so if we had done this three years ago would have been future power rankings ending um, as we were approaching the 2021 season, that either would have been the year they won a Super Bowl, or coming would have been either no, would have been coming off of the year after the Super Bowl, where they go nine and seven, they make it into the divisional round of the playoffs and lose to the Saints. But you have Carson Wentz, you have Doug Peterson, you're feeling great about this organization, and then the next three years happen. I mean, how how much did a team like the Eagles inform? you in terms of just how quickly things can change over a three-year span
1: yeah I mean I think we were all looking at the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl and saying like wow what a good roster that you know what that they had and like man it yeah it fell off really quick and yeah I was a little like I think it's like I'm not saying like I think they it's just a little shock it was a little surprise to me that they shook out in this in this spot I'm not sure mm-hmm. there's like a ton of I, I don't know that I would like like once it was compiled I guess I'd say like it's like a little surprising that, that they ended up um, 30th but then it's like I don't know where they would really move to right um, because like if you compare the Eagles to like the Bears I would be more bullish on Justin Fields's future than Jalen Hurts is um, because you know Jalen Hurts was I think you know he wasn't that great in limited time last year and it's a really limited time um, and I don't even want to like. I'm not saying you, you can definitely rebound from a from a poor rookie season, and it, it absolutely happens. So like, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying like, you adjust to your priors a little bit when when that happens. And also, Fields was a better prospect than 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 Hertz coming out. So mm-hmm. like, I would just naturally as, assume that Chicago's in a little bit of a better spot than Philadelphia if I'm mm-hmm. you know, comparing those two teams. But you're right. I mean, it's it's pretty ugly, and. Uh, you know, they're, they're starting over the head coach. So you've got just like a, just like a big unknown there. Um, and you know, they ranked low in our overall draft thing that surprised me, I guess a little bit, cause they did get, they did get Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a, it's a little bit of a spot, but you know, I guess it's like, it could also turn around quite quickly, right? Like just as quickly if, if let's say Jalen hurts pans out. Well, I mean, it wouldn't take that long to get the Eagles back in back in position. I think that there's significant question about where the giants in Washington are going to be in, you know, over the next three year span. So it's like, it wouldn't be
0: if they're not in the roughest division or anything. No, certainly not. And I mean, even if Jalen hurts does not work out, this is a team that has three first round picks next year. If, mm, if Carson yes, Wentz does, yes. uh, live up to expectations in Indianapolis.
1: Yes. I think that's absolutely right. Like one thing that the Eagles actually multiple teams did this, but like the Eagles, you know, the Eagles, the lions, the giants, those are all teams that potentially are going to need to take a quarterback in next year's draft and arm themselves with extra draft capital. Like that makes all the sense in the world. So I give them, I give them credit for that.
0: Okay. I'm going to finish up with this. And this is a brutally unfair question and I'm still going to ask you it anyway. Taking teams who are not in the top 5. Let's say not no, let's say not in the top 10 in this list. Which team out of the teams who are not in the top 10 do you think has the best chance of being in the top 5? in the future power rankings this time next year? Mm, Good question. Unfair question. No, it's a good question.
1: There's two teams that come to mind immediately, and I'm going to debate between them uh, in my head here.
0: I do not have a good answer. I'm going through it, and I feel like any team I pick, I'm immediately going to jinx. So I don't want to do that to that team.
1: Okay, so the two teams, I'll just say both, right? Yeah. The two teams for me that could make that leap into the top five would be the Chargers and the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. So, with the Chargers, I think it's what's really impressive to me is that you had not just Justin Herbert's like rookie season be as good as it was. But, like, he did it behind that offensive line. Like, they ranked 31st in pass block win rate, and they made significant upgrades. And I think it's conceivable that that, that offense looks a lot better when that, you know, when it happens. Like, get Derwin James back on defense. Like, I think there's upside there for the Chargers. I, I sort of hesitate because it's like I don't want to – I don't want to assume – I don't want to make this assumption about Justin Herbert, like just because he was good as a rookie that he's going to take this big leap in his second year um, and become an an elite quarterback. Like he was elite for a rookie last season Um, and he was, he was really good, but to make top five, you have to, you have to take another step with Dallas. It's like, I think that offense has tremendous potential. The defense is is definitely scary, but I always lean back on like, you know, offense being more stable year to year, than defense and defensive regression works both ways. And so if Dallas can, can sort of luck into mediocre defense, I think they have, they have real potential. And I think it's like, a lot, a lot has to break right, but you can see it break breaking right. Like if you get Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins and Zach Martin all there for a full season, um, if Demarcus Lawrence like finally has that big sack year, it could it could happen. I mean, I think we feel, all feel confident in the Dallas passing game, so it could break right there. I think those would be the two teams that that jump to me that that could make that kind of leap.
0: Now, I said not in the top ten. The Chargers were eleventh.
1: They were, uh, they were 11. Okay. Yeah. Well I went down the board for, for Dallas, but yes, I'll
0: give you the Cowboys. Can I, can I go further down the board here, please with my pick as we finish up here, I will go with the Jaguars at 21 and that's already the 21st place ranking is already pricing in some of the expected improvement from Trevor Lawrence, who they have as the ninth, uh, the ninth best quarterback situation in the league. But what if Trevor Lawrence is a top six NFL quarterback from there? What if he's Andrew Luck uh, for the Colts? Suddenly that entire franchise changes. We don't know what Urban Meyer is. He might be a terrible NFL head coach. He might be a great NFL head coach. I I think that um, he's one of the higher risk, higher reward hirings for an NFL team in a while. So um, I think to get in that ballpark you need a great quarterback. Certainly the two teams you mentioned have great quarterbacks, but um, I'm going to pick a, a longer shot. And I'm going to say the Jags just because I think that um, not only is it the quarterback situation, I think there is some talent around that quarterback, the players around, I think Lawrence are better maybe than people are giving them credit for. Um, And that division does not look especially scary to me. I mean, the The Tennessee Titans are a very top-heavy, very veteran-heavy team. Um, The Texans are the Texans. Colts, I mean, I think a smart organization, but, um, you know, questions about their roster uh, after, um, you know, inconsistent drafting, I would say. And certainly um, with Carson Wentz now coming in, we don't know what Carson Wentz is going to be in this new role. Um, So, I mean, I, I think the AFC South is more wide open than people are giving him credit for. And I think that the quarterback upgrade is massive here. I I think Trevor Lawrence is, you know, um, by all accounts, a not a once in a lifetime prospect, but certainly um, better than even your typical first overall pick starting quarterback prospect, at least based on the football people I I might talk to. I don't know if the analytics bear that out as well. Uh,
1: They they didn't necessarily, but I think it's totally reasonable. I have high expectations for Trevor Lawrence. I like the pick. I think the justification there was strong. I agree. And, and, yeah, don't yeah, I think it's important not to sleep on that division and how how many wins the Jags might might rack up because of who they're playing. Uh that that's that's big. That could be that could be really big.
0: Well, we will certainly see. We will have you back on this time next year for future power rankings too. But Seth, until then, until you can gloat about all the things you got right in this year's podcast, where could people check out your work? Uh, you know, best
1: place is just follow me on Twitter. Just at Seth Walder, and uh, if I write something, I will tweet it. I promise.
0: <laughs> that is the that is the Seth Walder promise. Uh, if he what is the can people um, file for some sort of compensation if you do write something and don't tweet it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Just you know, make sure you you reach out to. I think it's it's at Bill Barnwell, and yes. um, if you just hit him up, he should he should he'll make sure you you receive a check will be in the mail for me. Yes,
0: I will. I will Venmo you um, if if Seth writes something and does not tweet it out, I will tweet it out for Seth. Uh, if Seth does not tweet it out, but Seth, um, of course, I mentioned earlier, you do great work. It's always fun to read you, and really happy to have you on the show. And we'll have to do this again um, sometime in the near future
1: thanks bill appreciate it
0: all right thanks so much to my guest today seth walder um set this great work on the nfl for us definitely check you know anytime he writes something it is something i i I stop what i'm doing to read what seth wrote recommend you do that as well we have more audio coming more nfl preview coming next week um we're getting closer and closer to the season it's crazy i think we're about two months away now or less than two months away but cam's coming lot of NFL stuff to get to. So hope you guys are enjoying it. Hope we have more to talk about next week here on the Bill Barnwell show.